Section 5 of The Pool of Blood in the Pastor's Study by Grace Isabel Colbron and Augusta Groner. This is a LibriVox recording. Half an hour later, Muller and the doctor sat together in the summer-house, from the windows of which one could see the park surrounding the asylum to almost its entire extent. The park was arranged with due regard to its purpose. The eye could sweep through it unhindered, there were no bushes except immediately along the high wall. Otherwise there were beautiful lawns, flower-beds, and groups of fine old trees with tall trunks. As would be natural in visiting such a place, Muller had induced the doctor to talk about his patients. Dr. Orsay was an excellent talker, and possessed the power of painting a personality for his listeners. He was pleased and flattered by the evident interest with which the detective listened to his remarks. "'Then your patients are all quite harmless?' asked Muller thoughtfully, when the doctor came to a pause. "'Yes, all quite harmless. Of course there is the man who strangely enough considers himself the reincarnation of the famous French murderer, the goldsmith Cardiac, who, as you remember, kept all Paris in a fervour of excitement, by his crimes during the reign of Louis the Fourteenth, But, in spite of his weird mania, this man is the most good-natured of any. He has been shut up in his room for several days now. He was a mechanic by trade, living in Budapest, and an unsuccessful invention turned his mind. Is he large, a powerful man? Muller asked. Dr. Orsay looked a bit surprised. Why do you ask that? He does happen to be a large man of considerable strength, but in spite of it I have no fear of him. I have an attendant who is invaluable to me, a man of such strength that even the fiercest of them cannot overcome him, and yet with a mind and a personal magnetism which they cannot resist. He can always master our patients mentally and physically. Most of them are afraid of him, and they know that they must do as he says." There is something in his very glance which has the power to paralyze even healthy nerves, for it shows the strength of will possessed by this man. "'And what is the name of this invaluable attendant?' asked Muller, with a strange smile which the doctor took to be slightly ironical. "'Yuri Kovash, you are amused by my enthusiasm. But consider my position here. I am an old man and have never been a strong man.' At my age I would not have strength enough to force that little woman there. She thinks herself possessed, and is quite cranky at times, to go to her room when she doesn't want to. And do you see that man over there in the blue blouse? He is an excellent gardener, but he believes himself to be Napoleon, and when he has his acute attacks I would be helpless to control him were it not for Yuri. And you are not afraid of cardiac? interrupted Muller. Not in the least. He is as good-natured as a child, and as confiding. I can let him walk around here as much as he likes. If it were not for the absurd nonsense that he talks when he has one of his attacks, and which frightens those who do not understand him, I could let him go free altogether. Then you never let him leave the asylum grounds? Oh, yes. I take him out with me quite frequently. He is a man of considerable education and a very clever talker. It is quite a pleasure to be with him. 
That was the opinion of my poor friend also, my poor murdered friend. The pastor? He often invited Cardiac to come to the rectory with me. Indeed. Then Cardiac knew the inside of the rectory? Yes. The pastor used to lend him books and let him choose them himself from the library shelves. The people in the village are very kind to my poor patients here. I have long since had the habit of taking some of the quieter ones with me down into the village and letting the people become acquainted with them. It is good for both parties. It gives the patients some little diversion, and it takes away the worst of the senseless fears these peasants had, at first, of the asylum and its inmates. Cardiac in particular is always welcome when he comes, for he brings the children all sorts of toys that he makes in his cell. The detective had listened attentively, and once his eyes flashed and his lips shut tight, as if to keep in the betraying whistle. Then he asked calmly, "'But the patients are only allowed to go out when you accompany them, I suppose?' "'Oh, no. The attendants take them out sometimes. I prefer, however, to let them go only with Yuri, for I can depend upon him more than upon any of the others.' Then he and Cardiac have been out together occasionally? Oh, yes, quite frequently. But, pardon me, this is almost like a cross-examination. I beg your pardon, doctor. It's a bad habit of mine. One gets so accustomed to it in my profession. What is it you want? asked Dr. Orsay, turning to a fine-looking young man of superb build, who entered just then and stood by the door. I just wanted to announce, sir, that number 302 is quiet again? 302 is Cardiac himself, Mr. Muller, or to give him his right name, Laios Varna, explained the doctor, turning to his guest. He is the 302nd patient who has been received here in these twenty years. Then Cardiac is quiet again, he asked, looking up at the young giant. I am glad of that. You can announce our visitor to him. This gentleman wants to inspect the asylum. Muller realized that this was the attendant, Yuri, and he looked at him attentively. He was soon clear in his own mind that this remarkably handsome man did not please him, in fact awoke a feeling of repulsion. The attendant's quiet, almost cat-like movements were in strange contrast to the massivity of his superb frame and his large round eyes, shaped for open, honest glances, were shifty and cunning. They seemed to be asking, Are you trying to discover anything about me? Coupled with a threat. For your own sake, you had better not do it. When the young man had left the room, Muller rose hastily and walked up and down several times. His face was flushed and his lips tight-set. Suddenly he exclaimed, I do not like this Yuri. Dr. Orsay looked up astonished. There are many others who do not like him, most of his fellow warders, for instance, and all of the patients. I think there must be something in the contrast of such quiet movements with such a big body that gets on people's nerves. But consider, Mr. Muller, that the man's work would naturally make him a little different from other people. I have known Yuri for five years as a faithful and unassuming servant, always willing and ready for any duty, however difficult or dangerous. If he has but one fault, if I may call it such, that is that he has a mistress who is known to be mercenary and hard-hearted, 
She lives in the neighboring village. For five years, you say? And how long has Cardiac been here? Cardiac? He has been here almost three years. For almost three years, and it is not almost three years, Muller interrupted himself. Are we quite alone? Is no one listening? The doctor nodded, greatly surprised, and the detective continued almost in a whisper. And it is just about three years now that there have been committed at intervals three terrible crimes notable from the cleverness with which they were carried out and from the utter impossibility, apparently, of discovering the perpetrator. Orze sprang up, his face flushed and then grew livid, and he put his hand to his forehead. Then he forced a smile and said in a voice that trembled in spite of himself, Mr. Muller, your imagination is wonderful. And which of these two do you think it is that has committed these crimes, the perpetrator of which you have come here to find? I will tell you that later. I must speak to number 302 first, and I must speak to him in the presence of yourself and Yuri. The detective's deep gravity was contagious. Mr. Orze had sufficiently controlled himself to remember what he had heard in former days, and just now recently from the district judge about this man's marvelous deeds. He realized that when Muller said a thing, no matter how extravagant it may sound, it was worth taking seriously. This realization brought great uneasiness and grief to the doctor's heart, for he had grown fond of both of the men on whom terrible suspicion was cast by such an authority. Muller himself was uneasy, but the gloom that had hung over him for the past day or two had vanished. The impenetrable darkness that had surrounded the mystery of the pastor's murder had gotten on his nerves. He was not accustomed to work so long over a problem without getting some light on it. But now, since the chance watching of the spinning top in the street had given him his first inkling of the trail, he was following it up to a clear issue. The eagerness, the blissful vibrating of every nerve that he always felt at this stage of the game, was on him again. He knew that from now on, what was still to be done would be easy. Hitherto his mind had been made up on one point, that one man alone was concerned in the crime. Now he understood the possibility that there might have been two, the harmless mechanician who fancied himself a dangerous murderer, and the handsome young giant with the evil eyes. The two men stood looking at each other in a silence that was almost hostile. Had this stranger come to disturb the peace of the refuge for the unfortunate, and to prove that Dr. Orze, the friend of all the village, had unwittingly been giving shelter to such criminals? "'Shall we go now?' asked the detective finally. "'If you wish it, sir,' answered the doctor in a tone that was decidedly cool. Muller held out his hand. "'Don't let us be foolish here, doctor. If you should find yourself terribly deceived, and I should have been the means of proving it, "'Promise me that you will not be angry with me.' Dr. Orze pressed the offered hand with a sigh. He realized the other's position, and knew it was his duty to give him every possible assistance. "'What is there for me to do now?' he asked sadly. "'You must see that all the patients are shut up in their cells, 
so that the other attendants are at our disposal if we need them. Varna's room has barred windows, I suppose? Yes. And I suppose also that it has but one door? I believe you told me that your asylum was built on the cell system? Yes, there is but one door to the room. Let the four other attendants stand outside this door. Yuri will be inside with me. Tell the men outside that they are to seize and hold whomever I shall designate to them. I will call them in by a whistle. You can trust your people? Yes, I think I can. Well, I have my revolver, said Muller calmly. Now we can go. They left the room together and found Yuri waiting for them a little further along the corridor. Aren't you well, sir? the attendant asked the doctor, with an anxious note in his voice. The man's anxiety was not feigned. He was really a faithful servant in his devotion to the old doctor, although Muller had not misjudged him when he decided that this young giant was capable of anything. Good and evil often lie so close together in the human heart. The doctor's emotion prevented him from speaking, and the detective answered in his place. It is a sudden indisposition, he said. Lead me to number 302, who is waiting for us, I suppose. The doctor wants to lie down a moment in his own room. Yuri glanced distrustfully at this man, whom he had met for the first time to-day, but who was no stranger to him, for he had already learned the identity of the guest in the rectory. Then he turned his eyes on his master. The latter nodded and said, "'Take the gentleman to Varna's room. I will follow shortly.' The cell to which they went was the first one at the head of the staircase. "'Extremely convenient,' thought Muller to himself. It was a large room, comfortably furnished, and filled now with the red glow of the setting sun. A turning lathe stood by the window, and an elderly man was at work at it. Yuri called to him, and he turned and rose when he saw a stranger. Laios Varna was a tall, loose-jointed man, with sallow skin and tired eyes. He gave only a hasty glance at his visitor, then looked at Yuri. The expression in his eyes as he turned them on those of the warder was like the look in the eyes of a well-trained dog when it watches its master's face. Yuri's brows were drawn close together, and his mouth set tight to a narrow line. His eyes fairly bored themselves into the patient's eyes with an expression like that of a hypnotizer. Muller knew now what he wanted to know. This young man understood how to bend the other's will, even the will of a sick mind, to his own desires. The little silent scene he had watched had lasted just the length of time it had taken the detective to walk through the room and hold out his hand to the patient. "'I don't want to disturb you, Mr. Varna,' he said in a friendly tone, with a motion towards the bench from which the mechanician had just arisen. Varna sat down again, obedient as a child. He was not always so, apparently, for Muller saw a red mark over the fingers of one hand that was evidently the mark of a blow. Yuri was not very choice in the methods by which he controlled the patients confided to his care. "'May I sit down also?' asked Muller. Varna pushed a chair towards him. His movements were like those of an automaton. "'And now tell me, how do you like it here? 
began the detective. Varna answered with a low, soft voice, "'Oh, I like it very much, sir.' As he spoke, he looked up at Yuri, whose eyes still bore their commanding expression. "'They treat you kindly here?' "'Oh, yes. The doctor is very good to you?' "'Ah, the doctor is so good,' Varna's dull eyes brightened. "'And the others are good to you also?' "'Oh, yes.' The momentary gleam in his sad eyes had vanished again. "'Where did you get this red scar?' The patient became uneasy. He moved anxiously on his chair and looked up at Yuri. It was evident that he realized there would be more red marks if he told the truth to this stranger. Muller did not insist upon an answer. "'You are uneasy and nervous sometimes, aren't you?' "'Yes, sir. I have been nervous, lately.' "'And they don't let you go out at such times?' "'Why, I... no, I may not go out at such times.' "'But the doctor takes you with him sometimes. "'The doctor or Yuri?' asked the detective. "'Yes.' "'I haven't had him out with me for weeks,' interrupted the attendant. "'He seemed particularly anxious to have the four weeks "'clearly heard by this inconvenient questioner.' Muller dropped this subject and took up another. They tell me you are very fond of children, and I can see that you are making toys for them here. Yes, I love children, and I am so glad they are not afraid of me. These words were spoken with more warmth and greater interest than anything the man had yet said. And they tell me that you take gifts with you for the children every time you go down to the village? This is pretty work here, and it must be a pleasant diversion for you. Muller had taken up a dainty little spinning wheel, which was almost completed. Isn't it made from the wood of a red yew tree? Yes, the doctor gave me a whole tree that had been cut down in the park. And that gave you wood for a long time? Yes, indeed. I have been making toys from it for months. Varna had become quite eager and interested as he handed his visitor a number of pretty trifles. The two had risen from their chairs and were leaning over the wide window-seat which served as a storehouse for the wares turned out by the busy workmen. They were toys, mostly, all sorts of little pots and plates, dolls' furniture, balls of various sizes, miniature bowling-pins and tops. Muller took up one of the latter. "'How very clever you are, and how industrious!' he exclaimed, sitting down again and turning the top in his hands. It was covered with grey varnish, with little yellow stripes painted on it. Toward the lower point a little bit of the varnish had been broken off, and the reddish wood underneath was visible. The top was much better constructed than the cheap toys sold in the village. It was hollow, and contained in its interior a mechanism started by the pressure of the upper end. Once set in motion, the little top spun about the room for some time. "'Oh, isn't that pretty! Is this mechanism your own invention?' asked Muller, smiling. Yuri watched the top with drawn brows and murmured something about childish foolishness. "'Yes, it is my own invention,' said the patient, flattered. He started out on an absolutely technical explanation of the mechanism of tops in general, and of his own in particular, 
an explanation so lucid and so well put that no one would have believed the man who was speaking was not in possession of the full powers of his mind. Muller listened very attentively, with unfeigned interest. "'But you have made more important inventions than this, haven't you?' he asked when the others stopped talking. Varna's eyes flashed and his voice dropped to a tone of mystery as he answered, "'Yes, indeed I have. But I did not have time to finish them, for I became someone else.' "'Someone else?' "'Cardiac,' whispered Varna, whose mania was now getting the best of him again. "'Cardiac? You mean the notorious goldsmith who lived in Paris two hundred years ago? Why, he's dead.' Varna's pale lips curled in a superior smile. "'Oh, yes, that's what people think, but it's a mistake. He is still alive. I am. I have—' although, of course, there isn't much opportunity here. Yuri cleared his throat with a rasping noise. "'What are you saying, friend Cardiac?' asked Muller, with a great show of interest. "'I have done things here that nobody has found out. It gives me great pleasure to see the authorities so helpless over the riddles I have given them to solve. Oh, indeed, sir, you would never imagine how stupid they are.' "'In other words, friend Cardiac, you are too clever for the authorities here?' "'Yes, that's it,' said the insane man, greatly flattered. He raised his head proudly and smiled down at his guest. At this moment the doctor came into the room, and Yuri walked forward to the group at the window. "'You are making him nervous, sir,' he said to Muller in a tone that was almost harsh. "'You can leave that to me,' answered the detective calmly and you will please place yourself behind Mr. Varna's chair, not behind me. It is your eyes that are making him uneasy. The attendant was alarmed and lost control of himself for a moment. Sir, he exclaimed in an outburst, my name is Muller, in case you do not know it already, Joseph Muller, detective. Yuri Kovash, you will do what I tell you to do. I am master here just now. Is it not so? doctor. Yes, it is so, said the doctor. What does this mean? murmured Yuri, turning pale. It means that the best thing for you to do is to stand up against that wall and fold your arms on your breast, said Muller firmly. He took a revolver from his pocket and laid it beside him on the turning lathe. The young giant, cowed by the sight of the weapon, obeyed the commands of this little man, whom he could have easily crushed with a single blow. End of section 5